Hello and welcome to another episode of Arrow, Chapter and Verse. This time we're talking about Legends of Tomorrow, Season 2, Episode 12, Camelot slash 3000. Okay, so um, I- I'm going to hope that the noise of the dishwasher is not audible in the background, but if you've been listening to this podcast at all, you know how lazy I am, so I'm not moving to another room. Um, so let's talk about the title of <laughs> this episode, first of all. Uh, I don't know if anybody remembers, but there was a comic uh, maxi-series, I think it was a 12-issue series, called Camelot 3000, where in the year 3000, uh, King Arthur and his knights were all reincarnated to do basically the same thing that they did, except I think it worked out better for the good guys this time. Um, one of the things I don't like is retellings of the King Arthur legend when they put him at different times and the same stuff happens, right? Camelot fails, Arthur's killed by Mordred, etc., etc. Um, you know... As with most pop culture looks at Arthur, this one doesn't get into the darker aspects of the Arthur story, uh, although I suggest you uh, take a look at those sometime. One of the, the, the main reason that Camelot fell is that when Arthur um, uh, sired a child on his half-sister, uh, he was not happy about that, especially because Merlin predicted that the baby Mordred would eventually grow up to you know destroy Camelot, so he did a Herod, right? He had all of the children born at that time put on a ship and then sent into the sea and Mordred survived. So, sorry if nobody knew that, and that's sort of a big thing, but um, it will occasionally show up. It gets a nod in Guy Gavriel Kay's Fionnivar tapestry, uh, but it, it is it is part of the Arthurian canon, and we're going to be talking about that a little bit today because... Oh boy, did uh, the show play fast and loose with both history and legend, which is, I think, a cute trick if you can manage it. All right, so uh, Camelot 3000. The other thing I'm going to mention is that the only thing I remember from Camelot 3000 is that uh, two of the knights were reincarnated as women, and I think at the end of the series they got together like they were going to go off and have a relationship, which, and I want to say that Camelot 3000 was like, a late 80s, early 90s joint. So that's, you know, fairly progressive for a relatively mainstream comic book at the time. Like, it was advertised in, in all of the um, all of the DC stuff. Uh, DC uh, also did a post-apocalyptic take on Robin Hood, um, which is terrible. I, I read it for research for a play a while back. Um, the... Uh, the, the guy who takes up the mantle of Robin Hood, we learn at the the end of the um, the the comic series, which again is just it's just bad. It's bad all the way through. Uh, we learn that his real name is Lincoln Green. Uh, and if you're not familiar, Lincoln Green is the color of the hoods and cloaks that Robin Hood traditionally wears. So yeah, so great job on that one, DC. I hope. Camelot 3000 was actually better. Uh, so we're, we're not actually doing Camelot 3000. We start off with Rip Hunter, evil Rip Hunter, uh, going to the year 3000, where he meets none other than our old JSA pal, Dr. Midnight, who has a bunch of pl- uh, plot-tastically useful technology sitting around. Um, and it's also the kind of technology that Generally, you don't want to develop because it's not a good idea when you do. It's one of those things where uh, it's basically radio control, radio mind control, 
right? Somebody puts on the uh, transmitter set and other people put on the receiver set and the will of the transmitter is carried out by the people who are wearing the receiver sets, right? And Dr. Midnight's saying, it could wipe out violence as we know it. And Rip's like, or it could increase violence. Because I'm evil. Uh, so the uh, he figures out that um, Dr. Midnight's piece of the spear or he assumes Dr. Midnight's piece of the spear is somewhere inside him, so we don't see this, but uh, we assume that he, he flicks open a knife and he cuts Dr. Midnight open. So again, we're going all in on the Rip being evil. Um, I think uh, Burke breathed in Bloom County called uh, the process Gephardization. Uh, there was a... Oh, what was it? Oh, it was a Fritz Lieber book. It was a Fritz Lieber book, but there was like a f guy who was a fanatical revolutionary against the government, and then they they put him through this process, and they essentially made him Javert, and because of that, he toppled the people whose plot it was to turn him evil in the first place. And I, I'm not saying that's going to happen here. I don't think it's going to happen here. I think they're going to like figure out a way to make Rip good again, or put him under the brain scan, and Gideon's going to be like, oh yeah, his moral center has been flipped, or something, whatever. Okay, so the team goes to the year 3000. They find a dead Dr. Midnight. They don't find a piece of the spear, but uh, the algorithm they're using detects another piece of the spear. By the way, algorithms, what I've learned from all of the DC shows is that all you need is an algorithm, and it does everything for you. Finds anything, uh, changes stuff. It does, it does whatever you want it to. You just need the right algorithm. Anyway. Uh, so it finds a piece of the spear in the year 570-something in Britannia. So Ray uh, is super excited. Nate is not, which is weird, because they usually bond over nerd stuff, but Nate's an historian, and King Arthur is but a legend. So they go um, in very, like, inaccurate... Like, I'm not a costumer. That's not what I do, but I can tell you that the clothes that they're wearing were wrong. Nate tells them that the clothes that they were wearing are wrong. Um, and then, you know, like, they are sort of ambushed by a bunch of knights in armor that wouldn't exist for uh, several hundred years. Um, like, and it, like later on we have Ray dressing in plate mail, and there's other piece of people wearing plate mail. Plate mail was much later than 571, like, uh, gosh, uh, the, I want to say maybe the 12, 1300s, that's, that's when we got plate mail, um, and I think even the chain mail that they're wearing is not something that is historically accurate to the time, in fact, we can just assume that anything that's happening is not historically accurate, right, good, we've assumed that, great, uh, the person in charge of this ambush is Guinevere, which is, uh, pretty great, and, they head over to the round table, which is surprisingly empty. There's, like, nobody sitting at the round table. Um, but King Arthur welcomes them, and they explain, like, Ray explains in a very bad British dialect, which he's going to use for most of the episode, what he... T oh, but only when he talks to people who are not... People who are from 570-whatever. He doesn't use the British accent when he talks to anybody else, which I figure has to be confusing. Also, by the way, uh, they don't mention this, but they would have to be using those translator pills that they swallowed because nobody speaks modern English. Uh, they're probably... I don't even think they're speaking old English at this point. I, I think they're probably speaking uh, 
either Latin or Saxon, something like that. Uh, so, but he, uh, they show up. King Arthur is like, oh, yes, you, uh, you, there has been a black knight who has captured many of my men, and it's an evil that is scourging my kingdom, and you will help me fight it, my new friend. And uh, that's a thing. And then uh, what's happening? Oh, gosh. Oh, we're right. There's a scene on the ship where uh, it looks like Martin Stein uh, apparently picked up some of that uh, brain transmitter technology that uh, Dr. Midnight has because he was interested in it. Um, and I want to say then we cut back to the round table and there's a feast happening. King Arthur is not there. And Sarah and Guinevere are, are in close very close conversation, and uh, it might do you well at this point, as it did me well, to remember that Sarah's last name is Lance, and that is going to go where absolutely uh, you could predict it's going to go, based on her name alone. Um, I want to say, like, uh, maybe as a, a, a straight uh, cis dude, I should not be saying this, but Sarah Lance is sort of the disaster bisexual icon we all need. Um, she is kind of James Bonding her way through the the time stream. Like anywhere there's uh, a a woman in need of kissing, Sarah Lance is there to do some kissing. Uh, but um, but that that is entirely up to the rest of you to determine. That is just my opinion on Sarah Lance in this show. Um, so. Anyway, Ray's all into this. Uh, he notices that Sir Galahad is uh, sitting over by himself, and uh, he notices that it's Sir Galahad because he's sitting on the Siege Perilous. Uh, let's catch you up on this. The Siege Perilous is a chair that um, only Galahad could sit in. Uh, it was reserved for the purest of all knights, and if you sat in it and you were not Galahad, it would, I believe, kill you and eat you, essentially. It would just your body would disappear, something along those lines. Um, to skip over to DC's main competitor, there was a Marvel thing with the Siege Perilous that the, the X-Men went into after the Mutant Massacre, and it, like, gave them all weird, slightly different lives. And uh, they were also resurrected before that, and for some reason the resurrection made them immune to being captured on video. So, uh, anyway, that's just a little... Comic book trivia for you. Now back to um, the show. Okay, so King Arthur is missing at this point. He is he is gone from the feast. Uh, before he left, though, he did introduce Merlin, and I, as everyone else, I assumed it was going to be Malcolm Merlin. It's not. It's Stargirl. Um, Stargirl reveals that she has come back to the past because the last mission of the JSA was to go get the Spear of Destiny, and they were joined by Rip Hunter, and Rip broke the Spear into four pieces and put them all in different time, uh, different times um, throughout history and, you know, beyond. One was in 3000, one was in 570, Rip had one, and I, we don't know where the last one is as of yet. But Stargirl is Merlin because that was uh, the most appropriate role she could get at the time, because, of course, her being Morgana Le Fay would leave her opposed to Arthur and his knights, and Morgana Le Fay is a DC character anyway. It's kind of it's kind of weird, you know, I would have expected that if they were doing Arthur, they were going to bring the demon into this, but they are not bringing the demon into this. Um, all right. The demon, uh, um, 
Etrigan is uh, a yellow rhyming demon with bat ears, and he, he can breathe hellfire, and he's got um, uh, super strength and whatnot. And he was bonded to a knight named Jason Blood uh, by Merlin. Um, Jason Blood, I believe, was sleeping with Morgana Le Fay and sort of betrayed everybody, and Merlin found out and said, oh, no, 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 your punishment is I'm going to bind you to this demon, and you are going to now sort of be bonded to this demon throughout eternity, and you're going to go try to right wrongs or something like that. But he doesn't show up. He's, sir, not appearing in this show, which makes me a little bit disappointed. Okay, so, uh, right. Arthur is supposedly boar hunting. What he's out doing, uh, we find out he's fighting the Black Knight. The Black Knight is Damien Dark. Malcolm Merlin, despite his name, nowhere to be seen. Uh, and refreshingly, Eobard Thawne does not show up to, like, save everybody at the last minute, which he's had a habit of doing um, this entire season. So I'm, I'm sort of happy about that. Uh, but he he fights, he loses to Damien Dark. Uh, Rip Hunter steps out of the shadows and says, we have some different plans for you. And then in the middle of this feast, uh, King Arthur shows up, He's he's got the brain receiver on his head. Rip Hunter's got the transmitter. Rip Hunter is making King Arthur be evil. And there's a fight, and King Arthur kills Galahad. And he's like, at one point, he's got Merlin with a knife to her, uh, Sargor with a knife to her neck, and that. And then finally, they're fighting, and Rip Hunter makes Arthur put a knife to his own neck, and he's like, okay, here's what's gonna happen. Uh, you either hand over the piece of the spear, or we kill King Arthur, and there's no more Camelot. Um, and Damien Dark is like, you have until dawn. So they go off, and basically, whenever whenever we see them until the fight, it's it's just them standing with a bunch of knights in some sort of, you know, rank and file, and the two uh, the two Legion of Doom folks sitting on horses and sort of being snide and smug to each other while uh, Rip has the, the brain transmitter on his head and is telling the knights what to do. Uh, we come back to the good guys. The good guys are like, well, Amaya wants to find the spear. Uh, Stargirl, whose real name... Courtney. Courtney is Stargirl's real name. Um, doesn't want to give it up. Uh, um, there's Sarah trying to convince Guinevere that everything's okay and Arthur's just being mind-controlled and you have to believe in his vision and that's what, you know, that, that's what Camelot's all about, is Arthur's vision of a united and more just uh, England. And Nate is still sort of trying to talk Ray out of, you know, being, like, taking this as seriously as he is. Like, Ray has introduced himself as uh, Raymond of the Palms, and that's the, the sobriquet he's going to go by for this, pretty much this entire episode. So, like, Ray is really into it. Like, he is, he is full-on, uh, he is doing his own little King Arthur LARP in his head while these events happen around him. Uh, Amaya goes looking for the spear. She uses the amulet. Uh, they're in, I think, the throne room. Sarah catches her, and she's like, what are you doing? There's a discussion about, well, Courtney was your teammate. Maybe you shouldn't do this. And Amaya's like, no, we got to get this out of here because Legion of Doom's going to get it. We can't let them control reality. It turns out that uh, the the spearhead, which is the fragment that they find here, is actually the tip of Caliburn, which is the sword in the stone. Uh, and the sword is in the stone. Apparently it hasn't been removed, which is, again, odd. I, I don't know why. If you are King Arthur and you have removed the Sword of the Stone, you're just going to keep the sword in the stone casually. 
right? He, he's not fighting with it. It's just in the stone. And uh, Amaya touches her totem, and she summons a lot of beast strength, and she pulls it out, and there's the spearhead. And it looks uh, silver and pretty and kind of weird and not at all uh, Roman, which it, it should look. Um, other stuff that I haven't really mentioned so far. I said we were going to be talking about the King Arthur legends a lot. Uh, Guinevere in 571 shouldn't be here. Guinevere was a later addition to um, the King Arthur. Like, if, if there was a King Arthur... And he did exist, and I think one of the theories is that he might have been a Roman commander named Artorius who was trying to hold the remnants of Rome in England together and perhaps succeeded for a little while and was using Roman laws and justice, and they were uh, slightly more fair than Saxon laws and justice, and that's, that's why you get this Camelot legend. Well, the King Arthur stories are really Celtic at the beginning, right? There's, like, the... Um, the Holy Grail is pretty much uh, the cauldron from Celtic legend that could uh, create food for a bunch of people or heal everybody or bring them back to life. Like, that is, that's kind of what's going on there. Uh, Merlin, of course, is Welsh. Um, and, yeah, so, like, the, the courtly romance stuff, that didn't show up until courtly romance was a thing. So we're talking hundreds of years later. So Guinevere... Really shouldn't be there, but again, we are throwing history and legend to the wind, and we're just concentrating on what everybody knows about King Arthur, right? Um, I'm not even sure Galahad should have been there at that point. I mean, Gowan, probably. Uh, Kay, Bors, um, maybe Bedivere, but uh, Galahad uh, probably shouldn't have been there either. Okay. So then there, everybody realizes that there's going to be a big fight, and uh, they have Guinevere go out and do a Braveheart speech, which is really cool. Uh, if you get the chance to do a Braveheart speech, whether it be on stage or on film or off, uh, it's really fun if you get to do one. So, you know, she does a little Braveheart speech and everybody's, you know, roused and ready to fight, even though the battle's not going to happen for a few hours. So it's like, everybody follow me onto the battlefield now. Go get some sleep and get ready. And you just remember, just be as pumped when you get up as you are right now. And of course, Ray is very into it. And Nate's trying to talk him out of it. Nate takes a look at a book that we have not seen before, which apparently is like, I don't know. Uh, is it Tennyson's Idols of the King? Is it Mallory's Le Mort d'Arthur? Is it T.H. White's The Once and Future King? We don't know. We don't know. All we know is that there's a big illustration of uh, Ray's funeral. So now we cut to the morning. Um, oh, actually, I should say... Sorry, I'm skipping around again. Uh, Amaya does pull the spearhead out. Courtney catches her. They have this conversation. Courtney reveals that her heart is in Camelot and that she's fallen in love with Arthur. Okay, which is something that we have not seen. And even the slight nod they give to it later on is is kind of uh, weak sauce. Um, but then she agrees that Amaya has to take the spear because otherwise the Legion of Doom is just going to keep coming with different plans. So they're essentially taking the spear uh, spearhead away from Camelot to save Camelot. Now it's time for the battle. Ray's in his plate armor. He's figured out a way to rig his gauntlet so that his ionic blast is essentially channeled into the sword. And somebody says, what looks like a saber made of light. And Ray says, don't call it a lightsaber. There's trademark issues. So, um... The saber as a sword did not exist in 571. Uh, that is not a thing that was there. So that is also just a fun thing that they're doing. 
and perhaps a nod to the fact that they saved George Lucas an episode or two ago. So th- this is a thing that's happening. It's a, it's a callback and everybody's being really nerdy and having a lot of fun. Right. Uh, so Ray, uh, I don't understand Ray here. Ray already has a suit, um, that lets him shrink and, uh, fly around and blast people, which seems like, you know, if you're, if you're going to bring a, if you're going to bring a laser blaster to a sword fight, you might, you might have a bit of an advantage there might be a good idea for you to do. Uh, but Ray does not dress in his suit, uh, which I'm going to mention has a helmet. Ray does also not wear a helmet. Um, my wife and I were watching The Witcher, at least the first episode of The Witcher, uh, the other week, and we kept remarking on the number of people who were uh, just scooting around the battlefield without helmets, which is a bad idea if other people have helmets. Um, so, look, if you ever fight in melee combat with swords, uh, especially if other people are firing arrows at you, cannot recommend helmets highly enough. All right, so Ray charges into battle. Ray is Ray is going to stay there and fight, even though he knows he's going to be killed. Nate tells him he's going to be killed, and Nate goes back to the ship, and everybody has a big fight because Sarah's like, "We need to leave," and pretty much everybody else stands stands up and says, "No, we're not going to leave. We're going to figure out how to solve this problem." And Amaya says, "Sarah, go with your gut. I've already lost one team. I don't need to leave another." Uh, so the the legends turn out to fight. Mick. Uh, Martin and Jax try to work on the whole mind control thing. They tried earlier, didn't work. They're trying again. Uh, and then Amaya, Nate, and Sarah go out to the battle. And as you might imagine, like, Sarah just kicks an amazing amount of ass. I think at one point she downs something like six people in one, uh, one fight choreography scene, which is nice. Uh, Nate is not stealing up as much as I thought he would have, you know, I figure, like, if you are your own living armor with super strength, once again, it's gonna give you an edge in melee combat, but, um, you know, sometimes he's steel and sometimes he's flesh. Uh, Ray does this thing where he basically jumps off the back of, uh, another knight, gets about five feet of clearance, uh, disproving the theory that white men can't jump, knocks a bad guy off his horse, I mean, there's a lot of, there's a lot of melee combat. It's pretty much all, it's pretty much all heavy infantry fighting heavy infantry, which is weird because they're knights, they should have horses, but we'll leave that alone. Probably they didn't have the money in the horse budget. Um, so Mick, uh, they put the, uh, the transmitter thing on Mick. He overloads the, the receivers, like with too much, uh, bad, too many bad childhood memories and too much of being a bad guy. I, I don't know. Like, don't ask me to explain it. It just happens. So all of the knights that are currently fighting for the Legion of Doom stop. King Arthur looks at Rip Hunter uh, and basically takes him off his horse. Rip's pretty badly wounded. Damien's like uh, deuces. And then that's that's pretty much it for the battle. Sarah goes over to Rip and Rip, of course, expects her to kill him. But she's not going to do that. She's going to save his life because that's what the legends do. Uh, then there is, of course, there's a wrap-up. Um, Ray was knighted as Sir Ray of the Palms. Uh, there's a bit where Arthur thanks Amaya and then thanks Merlin, and they have a slight look, Arthur and Merlin, but that's that's it. That's it. They just have a slight look. Uh, Amaya goes over to Nate. Uh, Nate, uh, Nate says that Ray says that he was going to go pay his respects to Queen Guinevere. Amaya says that's funny. Sarah said she was going to do the same thing. Sarah and Guinevere are talking very close to each other, and they're, they're almost, they're just almost about, they're almost about to kiss. 
they do actually, I think Sarah says, it was nice meeting you or something like that. And Guinevere says, it was nice to meet you too, Sarah Lance. A lot. Huh? 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 If you hear groaning in the background, that's my wife. Because I don't, I don't think they needed to do that either. I think Sarah's last name being Lance was enough for this episode. But no, they did that. And then Sarah goes, oh, yeah, that's right. Sarah, Lance, a lot. Uh, so not only do they do the joke, they lampshade it immediately afterwards. And then Ray comes in uh, acting like he's a, a bad extra in a Shakespeare film. Uh, realizes he's interrupted something, apologizes, Guinevere says there will always be a place for him in Camelot should he return, and then he and Sarah leave, and then uh, Ray looks at Sarah and says, legends have to start somewhere, which would have been after courtly love was in, uh, invented, uh, but that's that's not what's happening here. So Sarah goes back and kisses Guinevere uh, like she does any lady who needs a kissin' while she's going through the time stream. Um... So then the legends all leave. There's a scene in the ship where everybody's... Is there a scene in the ship? Well, I mean, there's a scene in the ship. I don't think there's... There's a scene where Martin is talking to Mick. There's a scene where uh, Nate is talking to Ray. It's not terribly important. It's just wrap up. Like, Martin refuses to admit that Mick's brain saved the day, even though it did. And uh, Nate uh, says that legend and history can be two sides of the same coin or whatnot. And then there's a scene between Jax and Rip, and Jax is like, you're not the captain, you lost your chance to be the captain, blah, 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 captain. And Rip's like, glad you got that off your chest. And then Rip, when he's alone, says, Gideon. And Gideon says, here, captain, because apparently nobody thought to, like, safeguard the ship's AI from the dude she acknowledged as captain for many, many years. So let's see what's going to happen next episode. I wonder if it's going to be some sort of bottle episode where they're all trapped on the ship and they're trying to um, unevil or perhaps in gooden would be a better way of putting it rip. So that is it for this episode. Once again, it's another long one. I can't, I can't get these down to under like 26 minutes anymore. Anyway, so I hope you enjoyed the episode. I hope you had a good day and I will see you next time.